This is the Kineo Equipping Podcast. All right, we're going to get started. Um, first off, just take a sigh. You're here. You made it. I know a lot of parenting went into just getting here this morning, and you can just like take a deep breath, and you made it, and good job for making it. And I know it's a lot of work, and it takes effort, and a lot of you are checking your kids in for two services for the next several weeks, and I just want to encourage you and say, good job, it's worth it, be encouraged, and I know it's hard. So just be encouraged. Um, Jake, you want to kick it off and intro the class? Yeah, so it's a win that you're here. And that you're alive, all right? Some of you might have had that, like, that morning. Like, really? This morning? I'm going to a parenting class, and uh, this sucks. Like, yeah, right? Um, so a, a couple things right off the bat. Um, so Sarah and I are leading the first class, and then we're passing it off. And there's two reasons for that. Uh, one is just scheduling. But the bigger reason is actually because I think we're the ones that have the youngest kids. And so as, as we talk about a parenting class, it's like, okay. We have maybe a paragraph worth of things to say, and then there's actually a lot of people within our church that have kids that are older than our kids, who have more experience, uh, that we actually want to hear from. And we would, we would guess that maybe you would want to hear from them too. And so um, the people who are teaching the class represent a variety of ages, and so it's, it's Sarah and I, you know, for this first one, we got uh, uh, Scott and Julie Rieger, Christina and Adam Hannon, um, Cody and Stacey Klein, Lynette Hager is going to jump in as well. Uh, and Matt like and Emily. Matt and Emily, yep. Uh, they're going to be jumping in too. So you're going to be able to hear from several different uh, stages of parenting. So hopefully at some point along the way, uh, whoever's teaching will kind of I- be able to identify from personal experience with, with the, with the uh, age, like the life stage that you're in right now, right? Um, the other thing too is like with all of our teachers, we're not speaking from expertise, okay? So... I, I don't know that I've ever met a parent who's like, I'm an expert parent. You know, like if you're going to do it one way, do it my way. Uh, I've never met that person. Um, and so really what we have to offer in this class isn't expertise. It's mostly experience. And again, it's going to be that limited experience that is kind of like within the age ranges of children that we have. Um, but we at least want to be able to go like, here's some things that, that we've done, at least with this stage of life with our kids. And we found that to be helpful. Maybe it'll work for yours. Maybe it won't. So you may walk out of here with a few little like handles to take with you and you'll get all optimistic. Like, oh, I'm going to try that with my kids. And then you'll try it and then you'll totally fail. You know, <laughs> it's like, Part of that uh, is probably just because your kids are different, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that you're a bad parent. Like, well, they did it, it worked. What it's like, we've got different, you've got different DNA you're working with, right? <laughs> so, um, so don't feel like a total failure, uh, even if you walk out of here trying to implement a bunch of things and almost nothing works, all right? So uh, another thing kind of right off the bat that we want to uh, establish, there's going to be some table discussion. Um, you don't have to sit at the same tables every week. Hopefully you're around some people you don't know. We'll have a time for introductions and stuff. One of the things that we want to avoid in this class as much as possible is uh, is purely just like um, um, speaking ill of our children, just for the sake of like complaining. Like we, we don't want this to be just a corporate complaining session of like who's got the worst parenting experience, who has the worst kids, right? Uh, the, the reality is, believe it or not, I, your morning may, you may not feel this this morning, but it's like children are a blessing from the Lord. Like they are a gift from God. Okay, a lot of times I think we go into life assuming like, oh, everyone can have kids and then it's a problem if you can't. It's like, no, pretty much what we see in scripture is that the Lord opens and closes the womb. So everyone's default isn't just that, oh, everyone can have kids. It's like, no, it's the Lord very specifically giving us children for, for you know, your God, God gave you your children. There's a reason he gave you your children and not me your children, right? And so children are a blessing from the Lord. We want to speak as positively about them as we can while also sharing the struggles that we're having and being real. But we just, we don't want this to become a, a, a communal, you know, rag session. Um, 
Last thing, and then we'll throw it into table discussion. I just want to real quickly explain Candeo's approach to family ministry. I don't think that's something that we talk about a lot. Um, and Candeo may be a bit unique compared to the different maybe churches you grew up in or churches you've been a part of, or even the, the churches in the Cedar Valley and the way that we approach family ministry as it relates to younger children. Um, some churches have a lot of programs where it's like Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. There's a bunch of things for kids and, and elementary age and all that stuff. And, well, why doesn't Candeo do that? Do, have we just not grown up enough? You know, or will we eventually get to that level kind of thing? Um, the way that we approach family ministry, honestly, is in that, like, birth through uh, elementary age, we really honestly see parents, and we'll talk about this a little bit today, we see parents as the primary disciplers of their children, like you are the primary influence in the life of your children, both from a time standpoint and from an influence standpoint. Your, your voice is the loudest in their ear through that birth to elementary age range. And it starts to taper off towards the end, like their peers' voices start to get louder, you know, as they get towards the end of that. But it is true. You are the primary discipler of your kids. And so what we want to do is, particularly in that birth through elementary age, so that would be... Uh, birth, Candeo kids, and beliefs, we really see like we want to offer something for them on a Sunday morning, but we really are specifically looking at the parents, going how can we come alongside the parent and help disciple the parent to be disciplers of their children. And so that's why you're probably not going to see a lot of like a huge expansion and blow up of a bunch of kids ministry related things. And that's why you're going to see a bit more of the expansion of like equipping class opportunities like this one, where we want to come alongside parents. Now, as they get into that middle school range, middle school and high school, the voice of their peers starts to ramp up and your voice starts to diminish, right? Now, we haven't experienced that yet. I've experienced that as a teenager, but not as a parent of a teenager. Um, and what we want to do with that is that's part of why we have a Wednesday night uh, option for middle school and high school is because we see a unique period of time where we want to bring uh, other adults, other godly adults, and also other godly peers alongside them in a context specifically uh, focused on that middle school to high school because we recognize there's a shift happening in the relationship between the child and the parent in those years. And so we still want to come alongside parents, but we also want to uh, increase the opportunities that we can come alongside the children as well uh, and have a voice in their life where the church can speak into what they're experiencing as they go to school and as they interact with dating and all that stuff. Um, now, as they transition out of high school, that's where we really turn up the heat because now, uh, once they get into that college age range, it's like they're out on their own. Their parents' voice is probably still there and it's like recognized, but um, it's just categorically different, right? Now, like we're talking about young adults here who are off on their own, they're making their own decisions. They can kind of do whatever they want. And that is a really critical time in the life of, of a person. They're not kids anymore uh, that we really want to turn up the volume and go like, we want to specifically go after that. Because it, it's not that after college, all hope is lost, but it's like, this is, this is like the prime time for us to really turn up the volume of the voice of godly wisdom in the church and in the scriptures in the life of a college student. And so that's why when we say we're a multi-generational church with a next generation focus, that's kind of why we approach the different stages of family ministry that way. It's because we simply see our role coming alongside parents and children to be different in different stages. And so uh, I, we never we don't talk about that a lot. And I could I could imagine that if you're used to a church that has a bunch of options for little kids, that Candeo could initially be maybe a, maybe a frustrating place or something that you're like, ah, I wonder why they don't have Awana, and I wonder why they don't have this and this and this and this. And it's like, it's, a, it's actually not because we're trying to be ignorant or neglect uh, a neglected demographic. It's actually because we, we just think a little bit differently philosophically about that. We really want to come alongside parents. And at least from what the, uh, when you filled out the um, the sign up for this class and you kind of clicked on your age ranges and stuff, the biggest age range of this class was kind of that elementary age range for our church. It's just the nature of our church. That's kind of the, the family dynamic that's most represented at Candeo. And so that's why a parenting class like this we think is really important. So 
Hopefully that was helpful. Uh, if you ever miss a class, all of this is being recorded as well. And so you can go on the Candeo Equipping Podcast if you miss a week or if you want to go back and listen to something and uh, maybe Scott and Julie or Matt and Emily said something that's just killer and you're like, ah, I didn't write that down. You can go back uh, early on in the week. That gets edited, and so that'll go up as well. Um, we want to throw it to your tables here. And the first table discussion simply is to introduce yourself and uh, give the names and the ages of your children. So let's kind of get to know each other a little bit, and then uh, Sarah and I will come back here in about five minutes. All right, so hopefully you got some names. We don't expect that you're going to remember all those. Um, so this week, if you, if you did the reading and you went through the study guide, you know uh, we're talking about calling and grace. And so uh, kind of going back to what I said first, like that we are the primary disciplers of our children. That's, that's part of our calling. And we want to look to the Bible to see why, where do we get that from and what does that actually look like? Can I interrupt you? Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. I'm just going to introduce ourselves. Oh, sorry. This is Sarah. Because I think <laughs> I know most of you in the room, but if I don't know you, you don't know who we are, or know a little bit about us, but I'm Sarah, this is Jake, and we have two kids, Naomi, it will be seven in one week, which I can't believe. She's been telling us that all month. It's her birthday month. Oh my goodness, why did we have a child at the end of the month? Yeah. (laughs) Um, If you need JoJo Siwa things after a little while, come to us, we got plenty. Yes, Naomi will be seven, and Judah is three, he'll be four in December. Um, and we've got four in heaven also waiting for us, and we are super excited about this. But like Jake said, um, we're not experts, so we can only speak up until six years and 11 months. So we'll share what we've learned along the way. She does act like a 16-year-old yeah. a lot, though. So she does. I feel like I'm parenting a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Amen. <laughs> Preach. Yeah. <laughs> um So check out this verse, Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so as we think through this, this goes back to, to last week. If you remember in the message, it was probably around minute 40, so you may have dozed off. Uh, but it was, uh, um, you actually do what you actually believe, something to that effect. Uh, this verse, like this verse, you're thinking it's like, oh, this is about money. Um, this is actually about priorities and values. Uh, our children aren't dumb. Like, they really aren't. It's amazing to me how smart uh, our kids actually are and how young they how young they start to get smart and, and like, start to notice things and start to observe things. And it really is true that if your kid is, like, outside of... Oh, sorry. Thank you. If, you're, if your kid is outside of, like, um, changing diapers, they know exactly what you value. Like, whether you think it or not. And a big way that they see what we value is what we spend our time and money and resources on. Um, and what's so interesting about this verse is, like, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Well, what, what is a treasure on earth? Where moth and rust destroys and where thieves break in and steal. Essentially, uh, if, the, if the things that you love the most uh, can rust, be destroyed, or be stolen, don't don't attach your heart to it, <laughs> like, which is pretty much everything, right? <laughs> like, pre- everything I could think, I mean, even setting up this room for this, like two chairs broke, okay? Like I'm just trying to unfold them and they broke. It's like everything breaks, everything breaks. And so what this is reminding us of, like don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth. If, if it can break, if it can rust, if it can be stolen, like that's a really bad place for you to put the whole of your heart affections towards. And our kids notice exactly what we value and exactly what we care about. And a lot of times that'll end up with, uh, with that box coming in the mail. And they're like, is that for me? It's like, no, it's for me. And if they continually see it, it's not bad to buy stuff online. I'm just saying like, like if... If the, the orientation of the way that we spend our money, if they see us opening boxes for ourselves more than finding opportunities to give away to others, that, that's a problem. And that, that communicates something as far as values go. Um, so 
what's the end? What's what's the? How do we alleviate this? Okay, as it relates to discipling our children with the way that we value things. Later on, in the same chapter. So don't worry, saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So how do we fight against storing up for ourselves treasures here on earth? We seek first the kingdom of God, knowing that God knows all of our needs. I mean, before this, that's the whole passage of like, uh, consider the sparrows, look at the lilies of the field. Like if God provides so much for these plants and these birds, how much more will he provide for you? And so part of that is, is realigning our heart posture to rest in the provision of God. That's one of the things we've been, um, one of the things we did uh, when Naomi was having anxiety about going to school, she still is, but it's getting better. Um, one of the things we did was we, we looked out the window and we read this verse. I was like, Naomi, and for us, it wasn't birds, it was squirrels, okay? And so it's like, like check out that squirrel. Where do you think he gets his food? He doesn't go to the store and buy it, right? That's silly. Like, God gives it to him. And then we looked over at our flower planters, and it's like, look at those flowers. Have you ever seen mom and dad out there, like, like, trying to get them to grow, you know, trying to get them to bloom? Like, it's like, no, God waters those. He cares for those. Um, when we seek the kingdom of God, what, what is the kingdom of God? You say, okay, I'm supposed to seek the kingdom of God. What is that? The kingdom of God is wherever the rule and reign of God is. That's the kingdom. The kingdom of God isn't a place. Uh, the kingdom of God is, is a kingship. You think kingdom, you think, we think location, when really kingdom is, is realm of authority. And so you got to think kingship. And so if we're to seek first the kingdom of God, or we're to seek first is is seeing the, the authority, the rule and reign of God extended to every area of our lives. And we can invite our children into that and tell them why. Why are we doing certain things? Why do we schedule our lives a certain way? Why do we spend our money a certain way? Why do we prioritize our time a certain way? Why do we have people who aren't like us in our home so much? Why do we care for our neighbors? Why do we do these things? It's because we want to see the rule and reign of God extended to every area of influence in our lives. And so that's going to radically transform the way we, that we view our time, our resources, and our money. Um, and so uh, that's part of, that's the, this is one of the things that can get in the way of our parenting because we end up elevating these other commitments. I'm talking a lot about money and possessions, but there are other things that we can elevate uh, above our God-given role as being the primary disciples of our kids. And you kind of saw that in the chapter that you read and in the um, and in the study guide. So for our table discussion right now, hopefully you've had some time to think through this as you went through the study guide. Uh, but go around and talk about what commitments make it difficult for you to faithfully do your work as a parent? What commitments make it difficult for you to really step into your calling as being the primary discipler of your child and valuing seeking first the kingdom of God in your home? What are the things that, kind of, that get in the way of that for you right now? And then we'll come back here and Six minutes. Six. Not five. Six. Okay. I said six minutes. That was six. Man, my word. Uh, <laughs> um, so this is still under the umbrella of calling, okay? So we looked at the New Testament. What's our calling as parents? We looked at Matthew 6. Uh, one of my... Sorry, I keep forgetting to turn the music off. Um, thank you. One of my favorite verses as, as it relates to parenting in the Old Testament, um, I, think, uh, I think we're just going to call him Paul because we know him really well by now, uh, was Deuteronomy 6. This is so killer. So Deuteronomy 6, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So this is who God is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That sounds familiar, right? That's in, the, that's in the New Testament. Like, that's still being called of God's people throughout the scriptures. And then verse six, these words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your head and let, the sim and let them be a symbol 
on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. So what, what's happening here? This is answering the question, what's the greatest thing that we can give our children? What's the greatest thing we can give our children? This goes back to the, the, the priorities conversation that we've been having because sometimes we think, well, the greatest thing I can give my kids is a, is a good childhood. And that's defined either by if you, like, if you enjoyed your childhood, it's like, well, I'm going to try to replicate that here in the 21st century and whatever that looks like. And it's them getting the, the iPhone that they want and it's them in the extracurricular activities and them getting out of the play dates and all that, like, they, like the, the greatest thing I give my kids is, is like a really good childhood experience, right? Or, or that they have a better childhood than I had. When really, the greatest thing that we can give our kids is a parent who loves the Lord and talks about the things of the Lord with them. Like that's the call that we're, that we're given even all the way back to Deuteronomy. I mean, this is, this is in the first five books of the Bible, right? Listen to Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Remind yourself once again about who God is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your emotions. Like orient the way that you feel around the reality of who God is with all your soul. And, and I'll, I'll kind of like, what's the difference between the heart and the soul? I don't really know, but it's kind of the, the way that I'm kind of landing on this is like, it, it's like the depth of those emotions. Like, like all my heart, all my soul, like what I feel and how deeply I feel that, like right within my bones, like the thing that I'm passionate about, the things that I hold so tightly to and with all your strength, with, every, with the things that you do. We're given physical bodies. Like what do we actually do? So first, as parents, the greatest thing we can do is be someone who loves the Lord with all our heart, soul, and strength. So that's the first thing that we can do uh, for our children. And then secondly, we can pass that on to our kids. Like naturally, that that ought to flow out of us to where I mean, it's it's so uh, it's so cyclical and predictable and rhythmic. It's so in the natural rhythm of life, uh, where you see that in verse seven. Uh, talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road. You know, you know what it doesn't say. And this isn't necessarily bad, but it's like, talk about them when you have your, your allotted time frame for your Bible study as a family. Now, that's not bad. That can be a good rhythm to incorporate in your life. But if you only relegate talking about spiritual things with your kids when it's like just the time to do it, um, that's not integrating, spirit, uh, that's not integrating the, your relationship with the Lord in every area of your life, and it only serves to continue to um, cause this like sacred, secular divide. Like there are spiritual things and there are unspiritual things. When it's like, no, what we see is like all of life is spiritual. There's always a way to incorporate talking about the Lord in everything you do when you sit down, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Um, bind them as a sign on your hand. Let them be a symbol on your forehead. One, one of the thing, now we're not writing this all over our bodies here. Uh, maybe if you get tattoos, you can, I guess. But um, one of the things that we practically do this uh, for ourselves, like this isn't this isn't immediately for our kids. It's we have verses all over our house, and honestly, it's not so that our. I mean, Naomi can read, Judah can, so it doesn't help him. It helps us. Like, it's for us as parents. Like, it's at our eye level. We're not putting it down at our knees. So, like, you should read this when you're walking around. It's like, no, this is for us. Like, this is to help us love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Like, like that's for us. And then our children are continually surrounded by Scripture, and it kind of serves as those trigger points to be able to talk about these verses time and time again. We put, the, we put verses in Ziploc baggies and stick them in our shower, you know, because they'll stay there forever if you get it, you know, what? You ever done that? Um, and so incorporating triggers and rhythms in the natural flow of your life. Um, Sarah, you brought a few things uh, that, that we kind of <laughs> use to try to disciple our kids uh, in the word. Yeah, rhythms are really helpful. For me, I, the thing that I found most helpful is just creating uh, normal things that you already do throughout the day. For me, it's all about food. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner. How can I implement things that are going to point my kids to Jesus when I'm already doing something that I have to do during the day? So for breakfast, uh, that's a time that we've just decided that as a family, and this doesn't always work, so I don't want you to have a picture of like, ah, if we're sitting down It's and super messy, breakfast, yeah. If we are, like, 
Bibles are open. Jake and I are reading. And that's a good way to just like talk to your kids about what you're reading. Now, this might not be like your only time that you get in the word because it's like I said it again, it's not pretty. So sometimes like you get five minutes of read your Bible and then go on. So more quiet time before kids wake up is helpful. But when they see you reading the Bible, one, that's a good example. And two, it's great talking points. I love it when Jake will be reading and he'll just say, hey, I just read this. Do you know what this means? Do you know what this says? Um, other just helpful tools that I found. Tell what Judas said the other morning. Do you oh, that? when he woke With up. With a little Bible, yeah. Yeah, he found this little Bible. It looks like a Gideon Bible. I don't know if you guys know what that is. Um, tiny little Bible. He found it. We don't know where he found it. I don't know. Um, Probably stole it. Because <laughs> he would totally do Gary that. Gary <laughs> Um But he's been carrying it around, and he came in uh, yesterday morning or the day before, and he was asking for breakfast, and he was like, Mom, can I have breakfast? And I've got my Bible. And he was like, already, he was like, can I read it with you guys? Which was just really sweet, because we don't like make them get out their Bible, you know. But lead by example. A couple other just things that I just wanted to quickly hit on uh, that have been helpful for us. Judah is learning his letters. So, um, and right now, Naomi's at school, and it's just me and Judah for lunch. And sometimes that's an awkward time when it's just like quiet and you've got a three-year-old with you at lunch. Um, so these are tiny theologians, has a lot of great tools. You can look them up online. Um, but this is letter cards. It's tiny theologians. Tiny theologians. Yeah. Yes. Um, so on one side, it's the letter and it just goes through attributes of God. Um, and each week we just do one together. K is for kind. This is the one we just did last week. And it's got like a little description, so it helps you parent, so you don't have to make things up. And then um, the verse, it gives you a verse uh, that you can go through with your kids. And by the end of it, hopefully you and your child will have 26 verses memorized. So like this week, and I like to shorten it sometimes because for a three-year-old it can be hard, but Titus 3, 4, uh, when the loving kindness of God appeared to us, God saved us. So for Judah, it's like, I'll start it when the loving kindness of God appeared. And then I'm like, what did he do? And he says, God saved us. So it's a good way to just like, also for yourself, memorize scripture. Um, this is another one, my first book of questions and answers. This just kind of walks through um, like who created us? Where did the earth come from, like very basic questions that you can just talk through, and it's got verses. I don't know where we got this. Do you know? That was uh, Todd and Paige Van Voorst. I don't know if that name rings true. They they use this with, they've got a ton of kids, and they use it for, they've used it for each one of them. Yeah, yeah. so that's super helpful. You can look at these afterwards. Um, this is maybe if you've got older kids, um, this is a great like family devotional, Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing. Um, it's written by the same person that wrote the Jesus Storybook Bible, but it's just a really beautiful, uh, it takes a verse and then writes like a little um, devotional for you and your kids. And honestly, like I've read through this with Naomi and I'll find myself like crying as I'm reading it. Like I so needed to hear this today. <laughs> so it's really good. It's for, really short too. It's like yeah. a page or two maybe. Yeah. The art's really cool. Yeah, and then the last thing is just um, Parenting with Scripture um, by Kara Durbin. And this is just a topical guide with verses. So if you're just struggling and not knowing, hey, my kid's struggling with anxiety. How can I parent through this? It's got anxiety and then all these verses that you can look up and you can memorize with your kids or whatever. So that's Parenting with Scripture. Um, there's a can lot you go through each one of those, just the names? Parenting with Scripture by Kara Durbin. Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing by Sally Lloyd-Jones. My First Book of Questions and Answers by Corinne McKenzie. And um, Tiny Theologians has a lot of just great resources on their website. And actually, fun fact, I didn't know this. The college student that lives in our basement, Emma Gilba, her sister is the owner of that company. I was like, what? That's amazing. We should have tried to get stuff for free. I know. I, I thought of that, but I'm like, I don't want to use you. Oh, why not? 
What's so cool about this, one of the things that I think uh, might, might have happened, um, I grew up in a, in a Southern Baptist church, but I know there's a lot of people at Candeo who grew up maybe in a Lutheran church or in a Catholic context or whatever, and um, a lot of our neighbors uh, have. And, and the, the whole kind of idea of, of catechism and all this stuff, uh, the, the experience um, of people, it seems, that have come out of those backgrounds. Maybe there's a bit of a negative taste or it was really boring or whatever it was. Like, it just kind of has a negative connotation. Like, oh, I had to go through catechism to get to confirmation. Whatever. I don't know. You probably you know more than I do. Uh, what, I think, what I think may have happened in that um, is for, and I, I don't want to just say it's like Baptist or Southern Baptist. I think like evangelicalism as a whole. I think what we did was we might have thrown out the baby with the bathwater in a sense, uh, because as we go through, like like my first book of of uh, questions and answers, that's literally a like not dumbed down, but like brought down version of of a catechism book of like of of the shorter catechism. And what's so beautiful about that? What's so great about about catechizing our children in a way is that uh, is that it really embeds within them deep fundamental truths of who God is, who they are, like in a really memorable way, in a question and answer format. And I think, I think something may have happened when we so associated that kind of, of teaching with a particular maybe denomination or church background that it was like, well, my experience was this, and so I'm just not going to do that. And then what we end up having is an entire generation of biblically illiterate, theologically illiterate kids who never had anybody sit down with them and ask questions like, who is God? You know, and so recapturing the good of what that was uh, for our own families, I think is so key because it's so beautiful when you've got a three-year-old able to answer these really simple questions about who God is, uh, not only for them, but also for yourself. Like, like what, what, I'm, what I'm excited about is for when... Uh, when our kids are able to turn back around and remind us about who God is, like in our times of need, you know, th- this kind of is a two-way street here. And this kind of goes with, uh, with, um, with parenting our children, with, with embracing our calling as, as parents where we're passing on to them the great truths of who God are. And hopefully someday they're going to they're gonna like hand those back to us when we need it. And so one of the things as well that I would encourage you before Sarah jumps into the next section is um, when it comes to like teaching your children about, about the Lord, uh, tell your children stories of how God has been faithful in your life. Like don't, don't isolate your children from your struggles. Now, obviously there's going to be an appropriateness uh, depending on the, on the subject matter or the context or whatever it is. But like as much as you can, bring your children into the things that you're, that you're either wrestling with or have wrestled with and have seen God be faithful in those things. Like uh, one of the things that, that's been really cool for us is to, is to almost normalize the language of loss. Uh, having four miscarriages, it's like, that's been a beautiful opportunity for us to walk with our kids through that. And we've, we've got little stockings, you know, that we hang during Christmas, like ways to remember those children and bring our kids into that and be able to share with them like the pain of that, but also the faithfulness of God through that. And that's just a normal thing for them now. Like it's not this weird thing. Uh, tell your kids your, your testimony. Like how, how did you receive Christ? Like tell them what God has brought you through and like, do your kids even know how you came to know Christ? I mean, that's such a beautiful way to, to instill within them the faithfulness of who God is. And so those are just a few ways. Uh, we'll, we'll put these, these little things at the back uh, here at the end so you can kind of flip through them and stuff to see some of those things. But uh, Sarah, you got the next section here. Yeah, so a New Testament passage that is really helpful in speaking to this is uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And this was really... Um, uh, a mind shift for me when someone, I don't remember who it was, but someone pointed out to me that my children... It was Jen Wilkin. Was it Jen Wilkin? Yeah. Are you joking? No, I'm not. Okay. That's actually... You remember that. Yeah. Okay. Um, that my children are my neighbors. Like, they are the closest neighbor to you that you should love and make disciples. And when I realized that I was overlooking, it was like I was looking over them. And for me, one of the things 
to answer that. Like, what do I value more than my children? For me, it was like I was spending more time, like, looking over my kids to find women that I could disciple and forgetting, like, wow, these are, like, these are my own kids that I'm, like, go sit in the corner while I meet with this person or, you know, and it's like, no, like they are my first neighbor that I should love and make disciples of. So this passage was really just mind blowing of, okay, this talks to parenting first. Um, When it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So our first command is go make disciples. Yes, I understand that this is like of all nations, but if we're going to miss the closest non-believers, if you have little children um, in your life, in your sphere of influence, that's a huge miss. So for us, like right now, Naomi's professed belief in Jesus. So we have Naomi who needs to be, she's been baptized. She needs to be taught the things of God. And then Judah, who is an unbeliever right now that we pray would come to know Jesus. And just how beautiful it is when you can view your children on a daily basis of these are my neighbors. These are Naomi is my sister in Christ that I need to help disciple. And Judah's a non-believer that like I pray would come to know Jesus and daily telling them the gospel um, and teaching them what does the Bible say and what does the Bible command. And I love how the book puts it that we are a tool in our child's life to help them be more like Jesus. We're just a tool that's got that God is using and we're for little children, we're the biggest tool that he's using. And like Jake said, like that that changes the older they get. But right now, in our home, it is a big priority. And on page 30, I really appreciated this quote, and I'll just share it. Your work as a parent is a thing of extreme value because God has designed that you would be a principal, consistent, and faithful tool in his hands for the purpose of creating God consciousness and God submission in your children. So, I love that we are to be the consistent and faithful tool. So when we look to our children, are we viewing them in a right way and viewing them as people that we can help make more like Jesus? Um, That's our greatest goal. So we should take every opportunity to talk to them about the things of God. And the more you talk to your kids about Jesus, the less awkward it's going to get. So if you feel like you've missed the boat and you're like, uh, we just do like family devotions every once in a while. And if I bring up God any other time, it's just super awkward. Like that's okay. Just keep talking to your children and bringing those things up. And it'll get less awkward as you keep talking. And it's easy ways like walking to school. When you're walking to school or driving to school, um, point out things like the leaves changing and talk about seasons or find ways to just bring God into every aspect of your life and just talk to them in a normal way. Because when they see that it's a normal thing, they're not going to, they're not going to put God in a box as they get older. So you want to bring those things in. And just the last thing would be, like I said before, allow your kids to see you seeking God first, especially in Bible reading. And for me, when I grew up, I'm trying to remember, my dad went to work like super early every day, like 5 a.m. He was gone. So I didn't see him in the morning. I knew he spent time in the word, but I never really saw it. And my mom was the same way. She would read the Bible, I don't know, before I got up which was great because I saw them prioritizing it or I knew they prioritized it, but I never really saw it in action. And so make it make it apparent. Bring them into that. Maybe if you've got older kids, um, I'm going to let Emily and Christina Hannon talk about this, but I, I've loved watching moms with older kids teach them how to study the Bible. Say, hey, let's read through this passage together. Let's talk about what it's saying. Let's write it out in your journal. So bring them into that and make it a normal part of your life uh, to make disciples of your kids. So for this next table discussion, um, 
just a simple question. Um, what needs to change in your values and commitments to better enable you to fulfill your calling as a parent? So this is kind of a broad, broad question from what we've talked about. But go ahead and spend the next, how many minutes this time, Jake? Five. Oh, okay. Five minutes. <laughs> All right. So we're going to move on here to, we've talked a lot about calling, and there's a reason why we front-loaded this uh, to really be a lot about the calling. If we don't get the calling as a parent, we're, it, it's just not going to have a sufficient foundation for the rest of the things we're going to talk about in this class. Honestly, this next section, though, the grace part, was, was the thing that um, probably uh, wrecked me the most in the whole book. Uh, and it was this... It was this idea that, um, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing it here, but he, he essentially said in the book, if you walk down the hallway frustrated that they need parented again, remember that you are also a child in need of parenting. And that for me was like huge, right? Because it, it is. It, when you're in that moment when it's like, why am I having, can you just not get it? Like you're not dumb, so what is it kind of thing, you know? And you're walking down the hallway again, going in their room again, they're whining again, they're fighting again. They're like, it's just this like, oh my gosh. You know, it was that reminder where it's like, and don't forget, you have a heavenly father, which means that if he's your father, that you're his child. And so you are also, no matter what age we are, we are also children in need of parenting. And so continuing to be reminded of the grace of God towards us in Jesus Christ uh, really will serve as a foundation and a help for us as we parent our children, knowing that we are adopted children who need parented as well. And so uh, one of the quotes from here was, there's nothing more important to consistent, faithful, patient, loving, and effective parenting uh, than, not that, than to understand what God has given you in the grace of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Like, did you see all those words? Consistent, faithful, patient, loving, effective. Probably none of us feel like we have any of those, right? But the point isn't to make us feel really terrible. The point is to make us see like, it's because in God, he is all of those things in perfection towards us. He is consistent. He is faithful. He is patient. He is loving. He is effective. He is the ideal parent, right? And so we have the ideal parent to look to for help as we, as uh, fallen sinful parents, like need the help as we also disciple our children. One of the verses that uh, is so helpful in reminding us of this truth uh, is Romans 5, for while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for just a person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so one of the things that, that is so interesting uh, in parenting, and, and we won't be able to get into this a whole lot, uh, but what's so, our kids are really, probably like a, a mini unfiltered caricature of us, right? Like what I found is that often the things that I get most frustrated about with my kids are actually the things that um, they're, how would I say it? They're just doing to an extreme what I have found a way to like socialize, right? <laughs> like Naomi's, you know, fighter, sassy, uh, truth speaking, you know, right there, it's like, gosh, that it really bugs me because that's actually what's in my own heart. Like Judah's impulsive, um, like does things just to see the reaction of people kind of thing. It's like, hmm, I do that all the time. Like, like it's a really good thing I don't have a lot of money because I would get in a lot of like I would like wreck your car just to see your response and then just buy you a new one. You know, like that, but that's Judah too. You know, I'm like, oh my word, like why are you throwing rocks at the windows? Like that makes no sense. It's like, cause he just wanted to see what it sounded like. It's like, okay, I get it. Like, I get it. 
you know, it, it, it's the it's parenting that exposes within me, uh, whether it's like playful things like that, or whether it really is like like sin issues, you know, of 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 not wanting to be under authority. I mean, that's a huge thing with parents. It's like it's like yeah, and it's because like deep down in my heart of hearts, I really don't like being under authority either. And so identifying with our kids and the struggles that they have, because it really is true. And he says this throughout the book, like, like us and our kids, we're actually not all that different. Like we're bigger and we're older and hopefully we've matured, you know, in, in these tendencies and these responses and stuff. But it's like, but deep down at the root issues, like I'm not too, I'm not too different than my own kids. And so, um, yeah. Let's, uh, let's jump into your section here, and then we'll close it out. Yeah, um, the portion that he talks about able or unable and how God calls unable parents for the sake of his glorification. And this was just really big for me because I'm such a perfectionist control freak. Whenever I feel like I'm not doing this, I'm ruining my child. What am I doing? Uh, all those feelings are just pointing to the fact that I'm fearful and I'm in need of, of Jesus. And so God calls unable parents because he wants to make much of himself and not much of the parent. So when you walk into a situation and think, I got this, I'm a great parent, I'm amazing, I'm totally able, they can see that. They know when a parent's being proud and that, that's not effective parenting. But when we can walk into the room and really know that, I don't know what I'm doing. I need God's wisdom. I need God's help. They can see that and they recognize that and then they want God's help in that whatever situation it is, they want God's help because we're exemplifying a needy, humble, in need of help um, attitude also because we are people who need parenting also. So the second Corinthians 12, nine through 10, is that up there? Um, <clears throat> my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. Uh, this verse has echoed in my mind probably every morning as my alarm goes off the last three weeks because honestly, probably the last two months, I don't know if you would agree, has been probably the hardest parenting <laughs> for us, which is funny. I think God in his sovereign, you know, as Jake is like writing all this stuff for the parenting class, it's like, you, you need to be humble in this. And it's been a really tough season. And so recognizing that I need God's strength every day and in my weakness, God is most glorified. So just having that attitude and also remembering that Second Peter 1.3 says, God's given us everything we need for life and godliness. So he's equipped us for what we need and also said he's going to be with us in the parenting. When you walk into that room again and you're so mad at your child for doing the same thing again and again and again, he's right there with you and is going to give you what you need to parent that child. Yeah, so we're, we're children in need of parenting. Um, I didn't have this as a slide here, but uh, maybe I did. Here we go. Uh, this is from the book. God's grace welcomes you to learn from your past, to confess your faults, receive forgiveness, lay down your burden of guilt and shame, and with new hope and courage, give yourself with joy to what God is calling you to as a parent right here, right now. And so one of the things, I don't know how, like all of us represent uh, families with kids of different ages. I don't know to what level you feel like you have this kind of like, uh, Guilt, regret, uh, I wish I would have done things better. So I do think it's a, an evidence of God's grace. Like, I don't remember anything until I was, like, in first grade. You know, I'm like, that gives me a little bit of hope. Because I've, like, messed up a whole lot, you know, when they're, when they're really young. So it's like, oh, I hope they don't remember this <laughs> kind of thing. Maybe you felt that way. Um, but to understand, like... Uh, you don't have to live in that guilt and regret either. And so the point of this, like as you're reading through this book, it really was. It was like we're having some really hard parenting things with our kids. And then I'd come to work and I'd start like sifting through the book and writing, writing this stuff. And it was like, I'm just the worst. Like I'm the absolute worst. Like this is a mirror showing me what I'm not kind of thing. Um, but the reality is, is that we are, we are the primary tool in the lives of our kid in the lives of our children for their discipleship. But here's also what's true. 
Your children, our children, are one of the primary tools in our lives for our sanctification. Isn't that true? Where it's like parenting, like getting married was a really big, you know, sanctifying thing where it's like, wow, I did not realize how selfish I am. I did not, I didn't realize these things about myself. You know, uh, parenting does kind of the same thing where it's like, like our children expose within us root level sin, root level idolatry, things that, like things about our identity that we find uh, that we find our greatest joy in. Like like God has given us our children, not just so that we would disciple them, but so that they would also sanctify us and their gift in that way. So it turns out that we actually need our kids about as much as our kids need us, right? Like they may not be able to feed feed themselves or clothe themselves or you know be left at the, at, you know, in the house for any substantial amount of time by themselves. But like, so in that sense, like they need us to survive and we need them uh, to be sanctified as well. And so um, don't let your parenting failures, uh, either in your actions or your attitudes, cause you to live in constant guilt and regret. But let, like, let your parenting failures uh, serve as reminders of the grace of God towards you. Like, let these be grace-fueled uh, reminders um, of God's grace towards you and, and let that uh, inform the way that we approach our children, knowing that we have received grace, uh, undeserved, unearned. We, we, have, we, we have sinned against God more greatly than our kids have sinned against us. And so as we walk into that room, once again, being reminded that like we are also children in need of parenting. And so really one of the things we wanted to end the class with uh, today, just a few minutes, um, real practically, uh, talk a little bit at your table, like how will you remind yourself of God's grace towards you in Jesus Christ this week? Like as we leave this place, how can we have on the forefront of our minds the grace that God has shown us in Christ? And what are some practical ways that you'll remind yourself uh, individually and as a couple, uh, if you're married or uh, have a significant other um, this week? of God's grace. So a few minutes and then we'll just wrap it up with just a few uh, announcements for next week. All right. So I'm going to wrap us up real quick. Um, hopefully this first week was um, encouraging to you. Uh, this is going to be a great study. I'm really excited for the next several weeks to just sit with you and learn uh, from a lot of a lot of great wise people. Uh, this morning I asked Naomi, I said, if you could tell 70 parents, one thing about being a parent, what would it be? And she said, well, when you don't want to do something or something's really hard, just tell your kid that it's going to be okay and don't get upset at them. Just tell them it's going to be okay and give them a hug. <laughs> and I was like, okay, <laughs> that's good advice. Give them a hug. Uh, and Judah would agree. He said, yeah, hugs make everything better. Yes, it does. So, um, but yeah, ne for next week, go ahead and read chapters 3 and 11 and do the workbook. So in the front of your binders, you should have had a paper that says the reading schedule. So read chapters 3 and 11. <laughs> Lots of people are like, oh, so good thing we showed that to you. And then uh, do the workbook. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> And then um, Adam and Christina Hannon will be with us next week. So that'll be a great time um, to learn. So, yeah. Is there anything else? Nope. 3 and 11. Uh, don't forget, you can listen to the podcast if you're not going to make it a week. And, yeah, Adam and Christina are leading us next week. So thanks so much for coming, you guys. Have a great week.